everyone. Welcome to another episode of Space Flicks. This is the podcast where we review a movie and decide if it's worth the cost of beaming out to a lonely astronaut in space. I'm Dan. Adam is here with I'm me. I'm Adam. And, yes. And we're going to be reviewing The Harder They Fall on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Directed by James, some James Samuel. Mm-hmm. And starring Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Regina King, and many others. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield. Lakeith Stanfield, that's right. Yeah. R.J. Seiler. Uh, let's talk, no, let's give the synopsis. Adam, you got it in front of you? Yeah. When an outlaw discovers his enemy is being released from prison... He reunites his gang to seek revenge in this Western. I, I feel like it's weird that it ends with in this Western, like there's no adjectives or anything. Um, yeah, it's just like this is a Western. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have did you have any expectations going into this? Are you familiar with James Samuel? How do you feel about the actors? What was your sort of. What, what was your anticipation for this movie i'm not i wasn't familiar with james samuel at all i did not know that he was like a a hyphenate you know he's like a a writer director singer songwriter music producer and Mm. now you know so um didn't know any of that uh i really just liked the cast Mm -hmm. right um i really like uh basically almost all all the leads that I that I knew I liked, and even and and the ones that I didn't know, see, you know, like seemed perfectly good. So, um, so I liked that. You know, it's rare, if not downright unique, to see like a all uh, like all black. All of the lead characters are black, mm-hmm. um, and for that to be a western in setting is just sort of like an unusual combination of things. Yeah. And so um, I was excited for a, like what appeared to be just like a straight up Western with an all black cast. Um, And that was sort of like, and they were performers who I happened to really like. Um, And so all of those things were sort of the reasons that I was, was in on it. Didn't, didn't really know the pedigree of the filmmaker or the screenwriter or anything like that. And obviously we've talked about the hit or miss quality of Netflix films, Yeah, but, um, but yeah, just like those, those characteristics alone were, had me, had me pretty excited to check it out. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. It is quite unique, although it's interesting, uh, to look at this director's filmography and it appears that his, last feature film looks like it was also a Western with a mostly African-American cast. So, Mm, um, interesting. That might be his thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, am sort of same, same boat as you not familiar with the filmmaker. I thought the trailer looked pretty cool. Um, yeah. And the cast, you know, we are we we have made no secret about being fans of Idris Elba in in other mm-hmm. episodes of this podcast. He's always great. I really like Keith Stanfield. Um, too, yeah. Like you said, the the entire cast that I that I knew of, I, I generally think quite highly of. So I was looking forward to it um, on that basis. Uh, now 
let's let's talk about first impressions. I would say, uh, having just seen this movie recently, my first impressions of the movie were that, uh, not surprisingly, based on my love of the cast, I thought the performances were great. Mm-hmm. I thought the story and action were just okay. What did you think? Yeah, yeah. I thought um, I thought the action was fine, replacement level mm-hmm. action. Um, I thought the overall story the there's a twist at the end that I thought was like better than average, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this makes me love this, but it was sort of like, oh, that's okay. That's a little bit more inventive than. I was imagining this was going to be. Um, yeah, I, I wrote and, I wrote in my notes that the big reveal I found to be half satisfying. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which we'll talk about right. more later on. I'm curious, like, sort of how different or similar our, our takeaways from that might be. Right. Well, it was some... Um, what, I, what I'll say is, like, the relationship between the main, the protagonist and the antagonist, I had thought was, like very simple and basic mm-hmm. and and fine mm-hmm. right that's like like good enough right and so when they sort of changed that relationship a little bit at the end or quite a bit at the end i was sort of like oh okay that's like more interesting mm-hmm. than what it had been mm-hmm. not that it's like not that it is great right but it's just like it, it's probably an improvement ultimately mm-hmm. um so at any rate, yeah, um, yeah, it is a movie that I, I, I think um, there were elements that I act, was actively not excited by and felt like whenever the movie would dip back into certain elements that uh, it would sort of like reduce my enjoyment of the film and like and it was like the things that I liked were like fighting against some of the stylistic choices that I did not. Mm. Um, which made for sort of an uneven viewing experience. Uneven. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, overall I thought when I say the story was just okay, um, it felt like there was just some sort of loose ends or things that didn't make a ton of sense. It felt like the screenplay, I didn't think the screenplay was poorly written. Like I didn't think, um, the dialogue was bad or anything, Mm-mm. but I thought that yeah. in fact, sometimes I thought it was pretty good. Like I thought that, uh, some of the interplay between some of the characters I quite liked, I thought the characters themselves were really well developed. Like I liked the characters. I thought it had some really interesting mm-hmm. and memorable characters. Um, mm-hmm. it was more the plot. Sometimes the plot as driven by certain characters decisions, I thought sometimes just kind of left me scratching my head a little bit. And, you know, it's very possible yeah. if I were to watch it again, some of it would connect a little bit better for me. But I also felt like some of it was just sort of didn't make a ton of sense, which isn't isn't to say it's nonsensical, but more like I'm I'm not the dots are not being connected for me here of yeah. of, of what just why this story is proceeding the way that it is. So um, I thought that was a little uh, underwhelming and. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that it's a shame because the feel of the movie I thought was pretty consistently, um, 
high end. <laughs> I, I really, mm-hmm. I generally thought it was shot well. It had good visuals. The perfor- like I said, the performances were great. It sort of, it yeah. sort of was almost there for me, but just it was like missing something in terms of the actual events unfolding for me. So yeah. You know, it really feels like in some ways this is just deja vu. Like this seems to be how it goes with these Netflix films. <laughs> they, right. they, at their right. best, they're sort of like almost there. Um, mm-hmm. But just something falling short in some way. Yeah. I, and I wonder if Netflix has sort of the misfortune of my understanding is they produce more films than like almost any other studio. They, right. I mean, for sure, they're, they this year, I believe they are have produced enough films to release one every week. Right. So no other studios and, coming close to that, right? And so, and I think, like in some ways, I'm comparing Netflix to like a given studio, mm-hmm. and I'm sort, of, and I'm thinking about like, um, you know, whatever, like a 24 or something like produces a much higher hit rate of quality films for sure. Percentage of films that they produce, uh, is much, uh, as that are high quality is much higher. Uh, but in some ways I wonder if that's the wrong comparison. And instead of comparing Netflix to a studio, like a given good studio, you should compare them to like all the studios. Mm -hmm. Right. And say like, well, look, just what's the overall hit rate in Hollywood? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Netflix basically has to just meet or beat that. Right. Um, and maybe they do. Right. They I might. I, I mean, they might. Know. They certainly, you know, I, I think the past couple of years, they have certainly had the ones that are going for the big awards, you know, like the Irishman or Roma. And I'm sure they have some coming up. I'm actually not, I don't have top of mind for me. What are their big like awards contenders like coming power, up this year. Power of the Dog is coming up okay, soon. Yeah. Jane Campion movie, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, fair enough. I think, um, I think what it, so far my feeling for Netflix, and we probably talk too much about Netflix, <laughs> um, but uh, my feel so far is there. There is what is missing are like the hidden gems. I haven't seen. It's like the right. ones that they really are going for where they get like Martin Scorsese or something like that. Yeah, those are really good. Um, and then there's just this sort of in- almost entire year of just sort of okay movies leading up to that yeah. point. And I think normally in a given year, you know, something will come out in like March or in in June that we're just like, that was really good. That came out of nowhere and was like really awesome, you know? Um yeah like the green knight or something <laughs> for me anyway, that was a really good one. Right. Or, or, uh, uh, what's the one we love? The one with the haunted family. <laughs> well, um, I'm drawing a blank uh, on what that one's ready called. Ready or not. Yeah. Ready. I wanted ready to call, not. I wanted to say hide and seek. Um, yeah, you yeah. know, ready or not, uh, or the, uh, the upgrade, you know, those kinds of films where we're just like, that was like really good. Um, I I haven't seen something like that from Netflix that I can recall. I think that's right. I think um, <clears throat> there's not a ton of Netflix films that are of really high quality that just sort of like slip under the radar. Yeah. And you just like find it. Right. I feel like Netflix probably can figure out 
when their films are of like uh, a certain level of quality and they like promote the hell out of those. Mm -hmm. Right. And then anything that doesn't sort of meet that bare minimum sort of threshold, they're like, okay, we're not gonna, we're not, we're just gonna like release this and like, let it be out there. But like, yeah. The reason you haven't yeah. heard about it is not because it's like a hidden gem. It's because it probably doesn't warrant a ton of additional eyeballs. Yeah. Um, but it's, a, it's also amazing though, how much, if you think about Netflix's power to promote a movie, I think just them literally choosing to put it on the sort of landing screen when you open Netflix yeah, is basically a way to just make it shoot to number one, you know? Right. Almost for sure. Whereas just think how much other studios would kill to have that kind of leverage. They're like, we have to spend like millions of dollars on TV spots and trailers and stuff. And all you got to do is put it on the screen in front of people's faces. And you're like, there we go. Number one movie of the weekend. Yeah, we made it happen. um, Netflix has, you know, I mean, Amazon knows this too. Apple knows this too. Like any production house that is vertically integrated with uh its means of distribution namely yeah. its streaming service like knows it's like oh yeah this could be a self-fulfilling type situation where totally. we make yeah. the thing and we put it in the best piece of real estate we have and we know we have x million eyeballs yep that will see that thing and it will it will just get views like there's just no way around it Right? Yeah. It's just going to get like, a, and you're comparing, you know, it's like when Marvel releases a movie, you know, I do, do you happen to recall, for example, like the box office numbers that Shang-Chi did? Uh, it was good. It was good for pandemic. I know 80 million, right. something and like that. Opening weekend. Yeah. Right. And it's going to be the sort of thing where that movie's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, but, Marvel, it has the misfortune of being compared to all the other Marvel movies. Sure, yeah. And so it's like, yeah, I'm looking at that movie, and we'll talk about that sometime in the future, but like, that's that's going to make $224 million bucks so far in the United States. And it's like, that's a small number. Yeah, that's probably the smallest to, they've done possibly ever. <laughs> right. Um, so in absolute like dollars, is, yeah. So Netflix is out there putting like, you know, whatever, a movie a week on like the marquee. And it's it just is going to compare like these massive numbers of one thing against massive numbers from another thing. And and the the lowest massive number loses, you mm-hmm. know, like that's mm-hmm. that's how it's going to be. So um, but, you know, the harder they fall, definitely got the treatment. Right. Definitely got like the the Netflix treatment of being like spot number one, number one in America. Type yeah. Well, I think that's how I even knew about it. I think I don't actually remember what made me aware of this film, but I think that it might've just been pulling up Netflix and this being right <laughs> up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, totally. Okay. Let's talk about themes of this movie. Um, I feel like, well, let's just state the obvious. A big theme is revenge, vengeance, mm-hmm. justice. Yeah. I don't know how you want to call it. I mean, the the main storyline follows Jonathan Major's character, uh, Love. What's his first name? Nat. Nat Love. Nat Love basically 
trying to track down Rufus Buck to kind of to kind of pay him back, payback, right? Mm-hmm. For for the fact that Rufus Buckheads at the very very opening scene of the film murders his father and mother. Right. Right. Um so that seems like a huge theme. I mean, like as is often the case with these revenge movies, especially which I think is a very common sort of structure for a Western. Um, I think the movie does, does take a, a bit of a questioning uh, position on, you know, the, the importance of vengeance and the sort of the darker side of it, the toll it takes on you, et cetera. Right. Um, so that seems like the biggest theme to me, but you're always good at picking up on other stuff. What else, what else would you say about this movie's themes? I think you're right. I think that re- revenge is certainly the, the biggest one. Um, there's something, some of the wallpaper in this movie is interesting, uh, regarding like, because it is like about the black community in, you know, the old West. Um, there's some interesting stuff about, the notion of creating sort of like a self-sustaining uh, like black economy, right? Uh, in a place sort of beyond the reaches of, you know, American systemic racism, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so uh, because you've got like Zazie Beats is, you know, a black entrepreneur who owns a bunch of like bars and nightclubs and stuff. And Idris Elba is trying to create an entire town that is like by and for the black community. Um, and so I, it feels like there is some interesting, like uh, true believer stuff going on in this movie, right? About like Rufus Buck is on, in one hand, uh, uh, a murderer and, uh, you know, a total like psychopath on the other hand, um, you know, he's got this vision for like, uh, a better world mm-hmm. for, for like, his people, his, his community. Right? right. And, um, and the fact that they decided to make him the villain, right. <laughs> like to, you know what I mean? To like take a person who has that belief and make them the villain of the thing was sort of like a peculiar juxtaposition. You know, I feel like normally- well, he's the antagonist. I, I didn't. I wouldn't have described him as the villain, actually. Okay, okay. I am curious who you would describe if if there is a villain. No, I would. I, I, no, I'm. I, I'm saying the movies from Nat Love's perspective more. So he's more the protagonist. He's like seeking right. retribution, and Rufus Buck is the antagonist. But right. to me, this movie. I felt like it was quite sort of even handed in its depiction of those two characters. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, I didn't feel like, you know, I guess, I guess the distinction I'd make there is protagonist antagonist is there's the main character who's striving to do something and the antagonist is against them. Whereas hero villain, but there's not like a good or bad necessarily associated with that hero villain is when you add on a moral dimension of the protagonist is, is sort of, striving for good and the antagonist is a villain and striving for evil. I didn't feel that dimension was in this. I thought 
it it sort of sets it up that you feel that love is somewhat justified because you see what Rufus Buck does to his family. But even from the beginning, right? It's obvious there's more to the story because the the father is like is it, it's like he's facing his his uh, his his he's facing his fate, right? Which mm-hmm. impl- which implies right. something that he did to wrong this man in the past. Right. So, yeah. To me the the whole time the movie was going, I wasn't thinking, "Oh, Rufus Buck is the bad." I was sort of thinking like he's got his side of the story and we're probably going to learn more about that later later on, which sure enough we right. do. Um right. And I think it's you know, it spends a significant amount of time giving you his perspective with Redwood and his relationships with his, you know, his, I guess, call him, call it his gang. Right. Right. Um, he's not, he's not this sort of, uh, he's not this sadistic sort of crazed villain that you might see in a movie like this. He seems much more like a somewhat compassionate leader, although he does, you know, he does kill a few one or two folks it is somewhat in cold blood, but um, you see sort of like a reasoning and a, and a greater purpose behind it all for him. Yeah, I think, yeah, I called him a psychopath earlier and that's not quite <laughs> right. He's like extremely amoral, right? Meaning he does not value like human life. He seems, he seems Machiavellian to me. Right, right, right. The ends justify the means. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, um, and, but, and you're also right that like villain is not the right word. Antagonist is the right word because like this is a movie almost entirely populated by quote bad guys. Right. Right. They're all criminals. (laughs) Right. It's like thieves fighting thieves and murderers fighting murderers. Um, but it's within that spectrum, right? Like, yeah, your sympathies tend to lie with with Nat Love just by virtue of the way the film is set up. But I still thought it was, like, interesting because they could have had Rufus Buck, and I know that this is somewhat based on, like, actual people, but they could have had Rufus Buck, like, just be, you know, just a, like, a bank robber who, you know, is trying to like hole up in some town because he's like hiding out. Right. Yeah. Or trying to be like a kingpin, like like run the town, which he kind of, which he kind of is, I guess. But, but this, this, this dimension of having a vision for what he wants it to be, I think makes it a little different. Well, and like the fact that he's, you know, for example, he sells Regina King's character on this vision. And she's like, that's the reason that I'm right. Still around Mm -hmm. is that, you know, like I believe in the thing you're trying to build that we're trying to build. And so, um, other, you know, otherwise I might not, but, and, and so I, the fact that like he, his gang is actually a bunch of like weirdly, uh, principled people, right. Who are principled specifically in their belief in like this future for this, this, this vision of a town that will ultimately be a place where all that, that community can belong. And they're willing to do anything, to achieve that end, um, which is sort of an interesting wrinkle that you wouldn't always see and you wouldn't normally expect necessarily in like a Western. Right. Um, usually it's like a bag of money that everybody's after. <laughs> it's like, that's normally the big one. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, what other themes? Anything? Um, I feel like the the like the bond between gang members. Like, I just feel like there's a lot family. of like emphasis. <laughs> yeah, like the family you choose, not the family you're born into. Um, that that basic notion because I feel like there's a lot of emphasis placed on like these gangs having like an identity and a personality. I feel like usually gangs are sort of viewed as um, are, are typically portrayed as like institutions that like chew up and distort like the mem it's mem their members, mm -hmm. you know, this is more like a celebration of the individuals that comprise the gang and like the bond between them. Especially yeah. in that look. Yeah. Yeah. There's none of those stereotypical scenes of sort of back to Rufus Buck not being a, an out and out villain. They don't have one of those scenes where, you know, the gang leader is displeased with one of the gang members for some trivial reason and just shoots them in front of everybody else. Right. Which is a, right. which is a very common thing de depicting what, you know, how gangs operate basically, especially right. when it's, when it's the villains gang. So yeah, these are groups of, these are groups of people who you sense have a strong bond and look out for each other for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, the, sounds like you got one more thing to say. Well, it's not really a theme. It's, it's about the title, but I feel like I want to, I want to talk about that later and maybe fix the movie or something. So we'll, we'll hold on to that till later. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, I think for me, fix the movie is going to be more like Dan asks questions that hopefully Adam can answer. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> like, why did this happen? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but before we get to that, let's do let's do best parts of the movie, like highlights, things we liked the most about it. Um, which means we're going to spoil it. Yeah. So, okay. so uh, let's see. I, I will go first, but I pretty much already said it. I thought the performances were great. I really liked some of these characters. I, mm -hmm. I like in particular, just one example of a character dynamic I really liked. I really loved how both gangs had, uh, you know, a fast gun. A and that, draw, and yeah. that on Nat Love's gang, the guy's like really eager to prove himself. And he's like, I've heard this Buffalo Bill guy. Or was it Buffalo Bill? What was his name? Cherokee, Cherokee Bill. Oh, Cherokee Bill. I heard Cherokee yeah. Bill is the fastest, but I think I'm maybe really the fastest. And like, he really wants to prove himself. And they, and they, I just love, you know, then meanwhile, Lakeith Stanfield depicts Cherokee Bill as just this super kind of low energy, like almost Zen kind of guy where, yeah. where you're watching him and you're like, Oh, I just, I just know that guy's, you know, he's he's capable of anything you know because he's so right. calm and so unfazed and so unafraid in these situations so i thought they were great um i thought uh i thought zazie beats i thought mary um fields was a good character trudy smith was a good character um mm -hmm. just all, just generally like n n no real duds in this one i thought all the characters were great and all the performances were were quite good and just very watchable, you know, just like wanted to watch these characters do their thing. Yeah. So for me, that's probably like the kind of the highlight. Oh, I forgot about Cuffy. <laughs> I liked Cuffy. Mm -hmm. a lot. I liked all these characters basically. Um, yeah. More so than the story. Like I said, I just would have, right. It's sort of like, 
I would have happily watched them interacting more. Maybe like, you know, that one of the first scenes where they intro a couple of these characters is when they're taking out some members of another gang who just performed a heist, the red hood, gang. the red hood gang. Right. Right. Um, and that's just some sort of like a little bit of action, but mostly dialogue. And you're really getting the characters personalities. I feel like just more of that is I I could have just kept watching stuff like that, you know, of them just doing these little, these little jobs and, uh, and having quips and stuff. So that was probably my, to me, what I liked most about this movie. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think um, I liked this movie the best when I was laughing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so like there's a joke, a dark joke. One point, maybe three quarters of the way, two thirds, maybe of the way through the movie where Delroy Lindo playing uh, federal U.S. Marshal Bass Reeves. Um, he's talking to one of uh, Rufus Buck's henchmen. And that guy's like, I'll give my right arm. Uh, like, I'd give my right arm if it turns out that something or other. I don't even mm-hmm. remember what the wager is. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, later there's an explosion and the man's right arm gets blown off. And Delroy Lindo looks at it quizzically and sort of like, he's like, is that the right or the left arm? Yeah. Right. Um, And it's just sort of like, there's just little moments like that throughout that I found to be like darkly funny. Mm -hmm. And like the, the quippy stuff is when I was sort of like the most delighted because I think this movie, when it's trying to be really serious and really emotional, like, I'm sort of like not buying it, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so like, but when Cuffy is like beating like some dudes up when they try to get into Mary's bar, what with their firearms or when um, Cherokee Bill jumps, shorts the count, right? It's sort of like dark and tragic, but also funny. Yeah. And that's sort of like where the movie had the best tone for me. Those were the moments that I was like, this is, this is, quality entertainment it's when they're trying to go straight action Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. straight pathos where i was like i don't think this quite has the right yeah pet like the right material for that yeah it it is needed it needed that sort of comedy or whatever you want to call it to sort of liven it up a bit right and make it a little bit less rote um i agree i think another good example of the of the humor you're talking about would be at least for me the Dion Cole plays the like I don't know may, like interim mayor or sheriff or something of the town yeah. Redwood yeah and his character is introduced you know in this kind of dramatic way that you introduce kind of a badass character where he's eating a steak right. he's talking directly into the camera and it's sort of like right. you know Rufus Buck you're you come in here think you like think you're so tough. I'm not afraid of you. Yeah. You know, you, you right. need to, you need to back off. You don't know, you don't know what you're dealing with here. And then of course, like the classic comedy reveal of he's not talking to anybody. <laughs> right. And then when the guy actually comes in, he's like, Rufus Buck's here. He's like, yeah, I don't want to talk to him. Um, that made me chuckle. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Th- that's sort of, I think when the movie is 
at its best, right? I think when the movie um, attempts to go, like I think a f- more than once, it attempts to sort of go with um, just out and out like brutalism, right? It, mm. it out, it, it's just sort of like, this is extremely violent or extremely, you know, bloody mm-hmm. or whatever. And those moments, I, I think they're certainly consistent. I think the movie definitely has like an aesthetic that it mm-hmm. knows that it's going for. It just didn't like work for me in the same. I, I didn't feel sort of that sense of delight. It just felt sort of like, I don't know, monotonous. You thought, did you, you, thought, you thought the violence was overdone? Uh, yeah, a little. Like it just, I didn't understand, like it wasn't sort of Tarantino, it wasn't Tarantino-esque in that it wasn't like so over the top as to be funny, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it was like, the movie's pretty stylized, mm-hmm. right? It's like very slickly made. Um, and I wasn't sure like how, like I wasn't sure emotionally like what this sort of quite like, stylized and bloody violence was meant to make me feel because it wasn't like it wasn't like exhilaration it wasn't laughter it was like i was i think i was just supposed to like enjoy violence Mm. which you know we've watched a lot of violent movies (laughs) recently uh so far be it for me to pretend like i don't enjoy a violent movie but like um i don't know for some reason just felt like there was nothing nothing there like it wasn't like oh how inventive right oh you know, the same way we would talk about with a movie like like Nobody, right? Where it's like, oh, look how inventive this is or how interestingly, you know, choreographed this is. Or like with, um, you know, like I was mentioning Tarantino where you would say like, oh my gosh, this is so over the top that it's that it's kind of funny, right? This was sort of in a, in a no man's land in the middle mm-hmm. of like not particularly inventive, not partic- um, but still like, you know, um, it's not Michael Bay, right? It's not Tarantino. It's not, it's just sort of this middle ground that I couldn't quite figure out what to, what to make of it. Yeah. I think it, it didn't stand out as much to me. I, I, I don't know if I'm just not remembering as much in my mind, there's maybe like one or two moments in the movie that seemed a little bit on the super bloody side but for the most part, to me, the action seemed pretty standard for a Western, like a modern Western. So I guess it didn't stand out to me as much. Um, but I, yeah. I get I get I get the point you're making, though. Um, I think we've sort of already moseyed on in into the fix the movie territory here. Um, so are we out of highlights? Oh, are we out of highlights to discuss or is there any others you wanted to bring up? Um. Just a, just as a call out, and I think maybe just because I like him a lot as a performer, um, I feel like most of the actors, and I don't mean this in a bad way, were sort of just playing the part. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it was it, but specifically Lakeith Stanfield as Cherokee Bill felt like, oh, this is a performance that's not just like a snarling quick draw part. Mm-hmm. This guy's like tired, mm-hmm. right? And um, uses violence for extremely pragmatic reasons. Um, completely like does not contemplate or think it's relevant to think about like the morality of violence. Um, 
and just like sort of a jaded, tired, laconic, you know, presence. I just found was like a different speed of pitch than everybody else was throwing in yeah. the game, in this particular game. And I just enjoyed it. I was like, okay, good. Here's somebody who's just doing something different than everybody else is doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Lakeith Stanfield is great. <laughs> yeah. He's, yes. He just brings a great presence to everything he's in. And so this was, this was no exception. So, but I particularly liked him. Agreed. I think he's, he's gotta be, he's definitely in my top three favorite characters. He might be my favorite character in the film. Uh, haven't really sat down and ranked him, but he's, he stands yeah. out for sure. Uh, all right. So, I don't uh, like I already kind of mentioned um, fix the movie for me might not be so much fix the movie as there's some things I didn't quite understand. So maybe Adam can help me make sense okay, of I'll, some things that I didn't quite get. Um, I'll do my best. So here's the first one. Uh, why did Mary go into Redfield? Great. Red, question. Redwood. Sorry. Redwood. Yeah, this was this was an example of. um at one point when I was watching the movie, I, I sort of just like commented to my wife. I was like, you know, this movie's going to go through a bunch of like plot machinations. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we know that this is just going to end in a shootout on Main Street. Right. Right. That's where this is all headed is to a shootout on Main Street. Mm-hmm. And so like the fact that she goes into Redwood to ostensibly do reconnaissance and like get a lay of the land is that basically what it was yeah that was i think the rationale was she was like no one else in our gang can go into redwood without suspicion right Uh and it's gonna prematurely like kick off a gun battle so what i will do is go in and he won't suspect me because he doesn't know that i'm with you and i'll just say that i'm looking to buy up a bar Mm -hmm. right uh but then he like quickly unpacks the sort of the the silliness of her argument right when he's like i can't remember exactly how he does it but he's like um you know the day that my like my uh gang gets robbed like by your (laughs) ex-boyfriend right you walk in here pretending to have nothing to do with any of that Right. And you just want to like buy a bar like run by me who like is, you know, yeah, like, it's just it ridiculous. Makes, right. Yeah. It makes no sense. Like the, you, you're asking me to believe in a totally ridiculous like coincidence. Um, and it's and it's sort of like when he says that, it's like, yeah, that was a pretty stupid idea. Just yeah. to Be like, I need a little bit of a sneak preview of what's going on in Redwood. It, yeah, tonight. I guess. I guess it felt like a contrivance to turn her into the damsel in distress that needs to be rescued. And right. it's sort of like once that very predictably happened, I was, I was sort of thinking like, if I go backwards from like now, okay, I get it. Now she's where the story needs her to be. She's in the town and Matt needs to go in basically to like save her. But, right. but why was she here in the first place? You know? Right. Like, because really Nat's motivation was to go kill Rufus Buck. I mean, mm-hmm. almost like adds an unnecessary dimension to it's also kind of to save her, you know. So that felt a little I don't know, forced or sloppy or something like that to me. The the Yeah, just like the 
it, context it for her creates, to be there. Yeah, it just creates um, more stakes, right? I guess. It's like, oh, well, now he has to really shoot extra hard. Yeah. You know, yeah. because his his girlfriend's in trouble. But it, yeah, I agree with you. It's it's kind of a silly plot you so, so to just put people in places. So my complaint about that and the next thing I'm going to say sort of are very similar to each other. I also felt that then the bank robbery uh, seemed weirdly irrelevant because, you know, I actually thought in the moment they sort of made sense, but I felt like ultimately wasn't paid off because so Rufus says, you're going to go rob a bank for me. And then they go do rob a bank for him. Mm-hmm. And then, and then they're sort of talking and they're like, you know, he's going to kill us immediately once we give him the money. And he's like, yeah, but now we have something he wants. And I was like, that's a good point. That's a good point. There is, there, there is something to be said for, yeah, I'm not going to give it to him because mm-hmm. then that's, you know, then he's going to kill us. But there is value in having some bargaining power. Like until he gets it from us, he, he wants this money. Right. But then it just felt like they just kind of went into town and had a gunfight. Like it didn't right. feel like I mean, they, they did anything with that. And so they literally blew up the money. Yeah. It, it, like, it felt like the, those two things, it was like supposedly Mary went in for recon or something, mm-hmm. which it turns out they didn't really need at all. And then they go rob a bank and bring this money, which doesn't benefit them at all. <laughs> it's right. just like they could have just gone into the town. It's just these two substantial things happened that didn't really meaningfully contribute anything to the outcome. Right. Right. Um, like I'm trying to remember, like it would, it would have made sense the moment that they like blew up the, the, the wagon full of money for Rufus Buck's gang to just kill Mary. Right. And I don't remember why that didn't happen. Well, wasn't there another wagon of money? There were two. Was there? Weren't there? (laughs) I don't think so. I think there was just the one wagon loaded up with like, okay. 10 grand plus 25 grand. Yeah. Yeah. But and so I, I think possibly like in the chaos of that moment she gets free and that's how she avoids death. But like but it was just sort of like I agree with you. It's like we've gone through all this trouble to bring a cart full of money to a location for us to then like just blow it up. Yeah. Like it didn't because we're mad. Like didn't make a ton of sense to me. On you felt weird. They had they hadn't blowing up the money is something you do after you've gotten what you wanted but they just did it right at the start <laughs> right <laughs> right so yeah these are the kinds of things that i'm like i feel like some of the raw building blocks of a good story were there but yeah. it it feel i don't know the 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 to me the closest thing i can the the thing that feels the most right to me is that they just needed a few more revisions of this yeah. screenplay to kind of s- sort of go through it all and be like, wait, this doesn't totally make sense. But I guess, I guess I, I do believe there is a way you could have made these events. You could have kept all of these scenes and just connected them more in a more meaningful way. It feels like that's possible. It just feels like they didn't. 
Right. Like, yeah, like you could a, have um, the blowing up of the money. It should just happen at a different point after some other stuff has happened. Right. right? Yeah. You can have yes. Mary going into the town and getting caught. It just should just have been a better reason for it. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to be done. It was sort of yada, yada, yada <laughs> in there. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a James A. Caster joke where he's like, um, no pun intended, uh, but the sailor looks like he was fishing for a compliment. And then mm-hmm. he's like, and then I called my mom and I said, mom, I said, no pun intended today. You'd be real proud of me. It sounded real smart. <laughs> and she said, uh, question, did you say no pun intended before or after you made the pun? And he's like, before. She's like, see, when you do that, <laughs> it sounds like you actually did exactly know that there was going to be a pun and that you fully intended to make a pun, <laughs> right? And it's sort of like, um, the order of these things matters. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, blow up the money at the end, right? Go and do reconnaissance in the town, maybe when you are forced into that situation, not when it just seems like a lark. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, good, good reminder for all of us, I suppose. Um, something that I did like as far as the, I think things that might, some of the things in this movie feel a little bit forced. Um, I really liked uh, the whole notion of Nat Love trying to take on this challenge on his own initially by sneaking off with Bass Reeves, Mm, the Delroy mm -hmm. Lindo character, and saying, like, let's make it look like you're arresting me. Right. Right. And then you and I will go and stop him together because, um, you know, I'm not willing to risk the lives of my gang right yeah um i thought that that was a clever way to get lindo like into the gang as it were right Mm -hmm. um and uh and so i i think this movie's certainly capable of you know little clever twists like that i think it just could have used more time to cook in in some of the examples that we reviewed earlier yeah i agree i thought that was that was like a pretty neat setup and then of course uh, the gang kind of tracks them down and is like, no right. way you're not doing this without us. Right. Which is fine. Which friends. is fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. I have another, well, this actually isn't actually a series of questions. This last bit is, is more me just saying, I feel like the, the, the ending, the, the big finale, you know, the big gun shootout in Redwood to me, yep. it felt like these aren't, these aren't unique problems to this movie. This is, these are just kind of the usual issues that, that arise with a big finale like this. But, mm-hmm. you know, I feel, I feel like the, from a choreographing or just like planning out standpoint, it's very, it's very, um, it feels lazy to me in the sense that characters just sort of conveniently come in and out of the scene as needed for them to have the things happen that they want to happen. But, but it's like, where did that character go? You know, where did Cherokee Mm -hmm. bill go for like 75% of this gunfight? (laughs) Right. Right. Why did the two, why did Mary and Trudy just kind of wander off on their own into this one area that's completely different from where everybody else is. And, um, 
And also, like, why is Rufus Buck's gang just totally useless all of a sudden? It's sort of like up until this big finale, I feel like these two gangs were supposed to be kind of even. But then it's just Nat Love's guys taking out all of Rufus's guys like no problem, you know? Right, Um, right. So um, that that was weird to me. Oh, also characters. (laughs) I think I was first... I was first to somehow I associate this with Die Hard because somebody pointed out that there's like many scenes in Die Hard where they can where a character can kill another character that they definitely want to kill. And they just don't in that moment Uh for some reason. I feel like this movie had that, too, of like things escalate really quickly. But there's still a lot of like staring at each other and not doing Mm -hmm. anything where you're like, why aren't you shooting each other like now, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, that happens. Uh, but yeah, it, it ultimately it just seems like, you know, they sort of they they planned out. We're going to have this happen, then this happen, then this happen. But they didn't do that exercise of like, where is each character at this moment? Because me watching, I'm like, OK, I feel like Cherokee Bill shoots the other guy and then just runs away. And is just like hiding or something for the rest of this fight. Just in a building, yeah. Yeah, Nat Love's guys are taking out everybody. And uh, I'm just like, he's gone. And Rufus Buck is just sort of standing there, you know? Yeah, just like disgusted with what he's seeing, yeah. Very strange. Um, And also, yeah, and also it seemed like what's the one guy, the kind of long shot guy on, on Nat Love's gang... Seemed to be the only guy oh, the doing guy anything. Who, the guy who was on the roof picking people off. Yeah, it was like him. Um, well, it was him and Bass was, and Nat yeah, taking out everybody. That's that's Bill Pickett. Bill Pickett. Played by Edie Gathigi, I guess. So Edie Gathigi. So, yeah, I just feel like it would have been... I, I would have really liked for them to have had, like, given... Um, sort of kept kept us kept us like up to date with every character, you know, in a way that felt like they weren't f- just forgetting or leaving things out. Cause that's what it felt like. It's like, they just forgot about, you know, where's, uh, where's Cherokee bill? Where's Cuffy? You know? Um, and, and for some of it, even like, where's Nat? <laughs> To- oh, totally. And where's Bass? No, I, they just sort of come in and out of the scene. I agree. Totally agree. Um, yeah, I think a, like a per. I mean, this is a ridiculous comparison to make, but like when you think about um, what I think at the time was a pretty, uh, you know, like groundbreaking action sequence in like the end of the first Avengers movie, like mm-hmm. the, the Battle of New York, right? Like that movie, that that sequence is very much about like methodically checking in on like what's everybody doing, right? right? Like Captain America is doing a thing in a bank and Hawkeye's up on the roof and, you know, Iron Man is flying through the sky trying to like distract this giant beast. Mm-hmm. And so and you just like do the you do the circuit and you like yeah. keep tabs on everybody. And it's not... Um, it's not easy to do, but it's actually quite satisfying because you feel like you understand how all these pieces are moving in tandem with one another, right? And this movie, this movie's not 
attempting to do that. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's a Main Street shootout. I'm going to just get characters to, like, be involved when I want them to be involved. Sometimes they're going to get shot and then just, like, keep going anyway. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I just need for the, you know, I it's, I think there's, um, the plot requires that these characters be in certain places and do certain things, and the movie portrays those parts, mm-hmm. not the connective bits that get you to those parts in interesting ways, you know? You know what I just remember? I totally forgot about this, but doesn't the Red Hood gang show up for some reason? Specifically the Damon Wayans Jr. character. Uh-huh. Monroe Grimes shows up. Oh, but you're right. Yeah, a few other dudes in Red Hood's show up and they are allegedly like joining Rufus's gang. That's what they say at the beginning of the, of the movie. Oh, okay. Okay. So that, I guess that kind of explains why they're there. Right. It felt so out of nowhere to me when it happened. Yeah. You know, it's like suddenly these other guys show up and one of them shoots Nat. I'm like, why are these guys here? (laughs) Yeah. That would have been interesting if it was like all of a sudden a three, directional battle right like yeah it could have been they were cool. like yeah we're you know we're here to because you know they didn't ever have to be signed up to like be in rufus buck's gang they could have figured out a way for that not to happen and then they're like we're here for thirty five thousand mm-hmm. dollars right mm-hmm. like um that would have been more interesting to complicate it in that way instead it was just like more bodies to pile up yeah you know yeah strange well uh i think the the last thing I think we we brought it up earlier. I feel like it now is a good time to talk about the big reveal at the end. Um, yeah. I'm with you. I, I I I sort of liked it. I thought it it sort of deepened the the story and the relationship between Rufus Buck and and uh, Nat Love. You know, it's revealed as he's telling the. It was it was a good sort of monologue. Him, you know, Idris Elba telling the story of his father who abused him and then disappeared and he spent so much of his life trying to track him down. And then as it's approaching the big reveal, you can sort of start to see it coming and you're like, Oh my gosh, are they brothers? Is it the same guy? And and sure enough, you know, it's like he had a son about 10 years old, you know? And, yeah. and then it all clicks and you're like, wow, th- that's kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. And I did think it was kind of cool. I just thought, for for a reveal that is pretty cool like that, I, I it's always a shame to me when something is revealed and it's just totally like one hundred percent new information. Um, yeah. I didn't feel like the movie had it. Just I wish the script had sort of planted a few seeds along the way so that when it finally is yeah. revealed, you'd be like, "Oh, it all makes sense now." Instead, it's like. It, it it adds something, but it doesn't like totally reframe everything that's led up to this moment for me anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. in a satisfying way. So I sort of, I call it half satisfying because I do like that piece of information. I just wish they had woven it in to the telling of the story more than just revealing it at the end. Yeah, it feels like a missed opportunity. Generally yeah. speaking, if you're going to recontextualize the protagonist and antagonist relationship, right? I feel like it makes sense for there to be a before they know or before they both know 
their relationship and after they both understand their relationship to see like how their interactions toward one another change. Mm-hmm. Right. But in this movie, it's sort of like bang, bang, you're dead. It doesn't matter how a relationship might be different. Right. Yeah. Um, but like, I feel, uh, like as an example, like this is a ridiculous example to compare it to, but like once Luke Skywalker learns that Darth Vader is his dad, right? They get like a whole movie to be thinking about that, mm-hmm. right? Um, in this, you know, in this movie, it's like we're brothers. I kill you. The end of the movie. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. Um, and so yeah, I think that it would have been really interesting for them to do that, you know halfway or two thirds of the way through the movie. And then like, how does the, how does the motivation change if at all? Right. Mm-hmm. I was actually fairly disappointed that like Nat just decided to do what he was going to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. And just like, just kill him. Buck. Yeah. Right. Cause it's like, I mean, I guess it makes him more sad to have done it, <laughs> but like, but it would have been really interesting if it caused him to like change change his decisions, you know, or change why he was doing something. You know what I mean? Like, because this movie, like most movies, is sort of like classic. You know, the characters in pursuit of what they want, but what they need is something yeah. slightly different. Yeah, what they think they Very want. Different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like the whole movie is them realizing that what they think they want and what they what they actually need are different things. And then they align those things. And that's sort of like the epiphany moment, right? This movie doesn't have that. He's like, what I want is what I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then Rufus Buck is like, we're brothers. <laughs> right. And he's like, it doesn't matter. Um, and so, yeah, that, that felt like, a like, again, better than not doing it, mm-hmm. but still not didn't love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think even, even just a little bit of a little bit more dialogue between them after the reveal of not asking some more questions or something. Cause you're right. It's, right. I think he, I think he says like, I don't believe you or something. And he's like, it's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it's, right. it's, it's like a few words are exchanged and then it's bang, bang, bang. As opposed right. to a little bit more of a, an opportunity to see what these, two men interacting feels like with this new information. Um, But for me, it was, I think that's a good point. I'm, I was, when I brought it up, I was more thinking about just the lack of lead up to it. You know, like if there had been one or two scenes where um, Rufus had shown some sort of warmth towards Nat that felt a little bit confusing, you know, Mm-hmm. Or if yeah. if like another thing could have been if he had kept some sort of memento of Nat's dad and it was like, why did why do you have that? You know, why do you have his hat or something? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like just some indication that there was a stronger sentimental connection than than we would have thought from the beginning of the movie to just plant that seed of like, there's something more to this relationship so that when it is revealed, like I said, um, 
We could yeah. we could have had that. Yeah. I guess what it's what it is is I like that feeling. That feeling of like, oh, it all makes sense, right? Like that's a really good feeling. And I felt like it's it's kind of the same thing I said earlier about the plot. It's like the pieces were there for it to have delivered that feeling, but it kind of just ended up leaving a few key things out. So I didn't, so I didn't get that feeling that I like, I just got a, I just got a a much more muted version of, Oh, oh, cool. You know, cool, cool revelation at the end. Yeah. Like a piece of information like that should be like a decoder ring. Yeah. It helps you make sense of the things that came before. That's right. It right? it doesn't though. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. Like nothing that you watched prior to that moment is like more enriched right. by that piece right. of information with maybe the exception of the very opening scene in that you now understand the motivation that Rufus Buck had right at that time. Right. But, but I think like, the, the entire movie works up until this final reveal works just as well. If the reason Rufus killed his dad is that his dad, you know, killed his wife or something. something. Yeah. Or owed him money or wronged him in some way that had nothing to do with them being, him being related to, to the kid. So, right. Yeah. It doesn't mean it was a bad ending. It just, like you said, missed opportunity, I think to have been a better ending. Yep. So, so I want to talk about the title, The Harder They Fall. Um, oh, right. Yeah, so, let's talk about the title. So I think that this is a reference to the phrase, the harder they come, the harder they fall. or something. The bigger they are, the harder they The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Um, are you familiar with the movie, The Harder They Come, The Harder They Fall? If you're familiar is, with this, that's the entire title. The harder they come, the yeah, harder th- they fall. Yes, and I believe the harder they fall is in parentheses. Um, no, I'm not familiar with it. I am really only familiar with this movie because of its soundtrack, which is one of, in my opinion, the greatest film soundtracks I've ever heard. Right? It's like a reggae soundtrack featuring like. Jimmy Cliff and Toots and the Maytals and others, but it's just like straight, like all killer, no filler, amazing movie soundtrack, right? Um, and the songs I think are largely like originals written for the movie, right? And so, um, so when I think of, when I see this title, "The Harder They Fall," I immediately think of that soundtrack because I think it's commonly considered to be one of the great sort of like reggae collections, like ever and it's also like uh it's kind of noteworthy that it's like a soundtrack for a film and so i thought about i was thinking about the the music in this movie quite a bit right and trying to sort of think about like how do i feel about this music compared to you know i what i think is a deliberate comparison right between this movie's music and sort of a bygone era's movie's music and like the I found the like I, I find this music in this film to be really slickly produced, right? And really sort of like very modern sounding, right? Um, as far as like production techniques and, and sound quality and stuff like that. And I just like didn't uh, 
want that right mm. for this i like this is like i don't know it's a western and i they're allowed to do whatever they want but i wanted something that sounded more sort of like appropriate for the era mm -hmm. um which i recognize is like my own stylistic preference but, sure um but it just felt like um just tonally that's sort of like the push pull i was describing at one point where it's like I want this to be like a um, a satisfying, like dirty arch Western with some, you know, with sort of like that um, that sense of humor that that Westerns can have, where they're sort of like s celebrating like lawlessness, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. where it's sort of like we live beyond the border of where civilization can protect you. This is like a different set of rules out here. Right. Um, and something about like this extremely like glossy, um, overproduced music just didn't like support that more sort of like anarchic, playful tone that when the movie really worked, that was sort of like the tone that I feel like it had. Um, and so like it and it and I recognize that like it's really difficult to separate the music from the film because the director and the writer of the movie also composed a ton of the music for the film. So mm -hmm. this is like very much his vision for what he wanted this to be like. Yeah, he's this he's very talented guy and he can do all this stuff. Um, but I was just sort of like in some ways, I almost wish that he hadn't. Right. I wish that he had like. <laughs> gotten a compo gotten a different composer to like yeah do something that's a little bit more aligned with the tone of the what i think the tone of the film when it was really working ought to be but you know that's that's my two cents there's no accounting for taste yeah um, yeah but i just felt like with a title like the harder they fall it seems like they're making a reference to like another really sort of um well-regarded soundtrack and i just don't feel like this is this movie's done any favors by making that comparison well to be clear we don't know you're 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 not you don't have like confirmation that it's a reference to that movie it just feels like it could be yes because it is yeah, also just an expression right it's not like presumably that other movie also was was referencing the expression also, I'm seeing yeah. here there's a 1956 movie starring Humphrey Bogart called The Harder They Fall. I don't know if you knew that. Mm. I did not. Looks, did not. Looks like it's a boxing movie. Um, okay. I and I doubt this movie is a reference to that. That seems completely unrelated. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think what you've described strikes me as a very, a very thoughtful and um, well-reasoned choice that could have been made. Um, I can't, I can't say I like particularly wish the movie had made different musical choices or, or not. I mean, I think what you're proposing sounds like it would certainly have been interesting and thematically sort of consistent. Um, what we got to me felt like just kind of a, uh, a style a style that the filmmaker was going for that they thought would be interesting. And I did think it was interesting. I've never seen, I can't recall seeing a Western before with, 
you know, sort of like hip hop kind of music accompanying it. So for me, the juxtaposition was interesting. Um, and I thought it was neat and gave this movie a very unique character. But, um, in terms of just the production, uh, style, I can see, I can see the point you're making, but it didn't detract too much. I, I I certainly wouldn't say it detracted for me. Like you said, there's no accounting for taste. I thought it, I thought the, I thought the overall package was from, from a look and feel and sound perspective was something very, uh, interesting <laughs> i can't come up with a better <laughs> adjective than that yeah uh have we got any other fix the movies i'm out of fix the movies how about you no nah, no nah, i think i'm out okay certainly not a bad movie i would um no i would no, not bad i guess i would sort of weakly recommend it you know it's sort of it's it's entertaining it's watchable the characters are good if i were if someone yeah. asked me should i check it out i would sort of be like how how important is it for you for the story to be really good? <laughs> right. Cause I would say yeah. the story is not terrible, but not um, anything special. It's more watch it for the, for the kind of, you know, unique setting and feel, you know, it's a Western, like we talked about at the very beginning with an almost all black cast, which by itself is something interesting. Um, it's shot. Well, the performances are great and it's got memorable characters. And I think that's kind of, that's what you're getting from this movie. Yep. At the end yep. of the day. Yep. I think there's lots of entry points to liking this movie. You know what I mean? Do you totally. like this collection of yeah. performers? You'll probably like the movie. Or do you like westerns? Mm-hmm. You'll probably like the movie. Yeah. You know, like yeah. um there's a few there's a do few. Do you like few revenge stories? <laughs> sure, right, right. Do you like do you like shootouts? Period. Right? Like yeah. you probably like it. Um and it's just it I don't think it's any i don't think any of these things where it's like oh this is an excellent representation of that thing yeah right um it's just like it's good in all of these different ways it's fine in all these different ways good to find find a good yep yeah well it doesn't sound like we're beaming it up though no no happy to have watched it probably you know yeah, same. Not, not going to be one that I revisit with any regularity, but I'm glad I saw it. Thank you for cranking out hundreds of these Netflix. <laughs> we'll uh, look forward <laughs> to the next one. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, it's been fun talking about this. I think uh, it's time to sign off. Thanks for All listening, right. folks. Thanks for listening. I'm Adam. I'm Dan. Good night. Bye.